this is one of the most noteworthy examples recently and, and, and I think a really creative use case. So Burger King uh, ran a campaign called the Whopper Detour campaign. And the idea was basically to uh, encourage people to download the, the Burger King app. And, and so the campaign was uh, if you went to a McDonald's location and opened the Burger King app, you could unlock a coupon to order a Whopper at, at Burger King uh, for, for a penny. You just had to take a detour from the McDonald's uh, to the nearest Burger King to, to pick it up. Welcome to another episode of the Mapscaping Podcast. My name is Daniel and this is a podcast for the geospatial community. Today I'm talking to Nick Patrick and Nick is the co-founder of a company called Radar and Radar is helping people build relevant and personalized experiences based on geolocation. Really hope you enjoy the interview. Welcome, Nick. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this interview. Uh, there was a little bit of back and forth, but I'm I'm really pleased that we that we managed to to work out a, a time schedule that, that suited both of us. You're doing something really interesting with geolocation, geofences, and you've got a few good stories around some of the the experiences you've had so far with your business. But before we dive into all that, can you give us a little bit of background about yourself? How did you get into the the business of, of geolocation? Yeah, for sure. Um, so I've been in the geolocation space for a while. Um, a few years back, I was on the product team at Foursquare, which you may have heard of. Sort of started out as a, a social app where you you check in uh, at the places that you're visiting. Over time, they evolved into more of a sort of enterprise data offering. After Foursquare, went to run product at a company called Handy, which was a on-demand services or Uber for X company, uh, if you will, for, for cleaning and handyman services. Had the experience there of having to build a system to track our cleaners and handymen. We wanted to deliver this Uber style, you know, track your service provider, see them on a map type experience. Uh, and it was a real challenge to build. And so sort of, you know, brought those two experiences together as, as, as inspiration for, uh, for starting Radar. It sounds like you had a lot of experience with, with geolocation anyway, and trying to build services around that. And you, you found it was pretty clunky. And then you went on to build Radar. Can you tell me about Radar? What is it? What does it do? What problems can you solve with it? Yeah, sure. We, we call ourselves the location context platform. We're basically a platform for geofencing and, and location tracking. Our goal is to help product and growth teams build uh, amazing location-based app experiences. And kind of thinking back to the experience that I had at, at Handy, uh, where we wanted to build this system for, for location tracking and geofencing, it seems deceptively simple. Um, you know, it feels like you can use uh, the out-of-the-box geofencing tools on, on iOS and Android, and, and, and you're sort of off to the races. But I think having the experience of actually building that, um, it's a pretty challenging problem. And so we offer uh, an SDK uh, to make uh, location tracking and geofencing very easy. We offer a dashboard to visualize all of this data and, and, and manage it. Uh, we offer integrations to, to other tools, really trying to build a developer-friendly, privacy-friendly, full-stack solution for, for location context. We often use the analogy, you know, a Stripe for location or a Twilio for location, if, if, if you're familiar with those tools. But at the end of the day, trying to help people build a great app experiences with location. Okay, so just to clarify here for our listeners, Stripe, it, it's a plugin for, for online payments. And I think before Stripe came along, life was really tough for, for the e-commerce merchant. And they came along and they, they're basically a plug and play solution that fits into almost anything, anywhere, and lets you really easily integrate like a payment a collection system in your website. And you guys want to be that for, for geolocation. Yeah, that's exactly right. Stripe basically came onto the scene and, and they had uh, very developer-friendly open source tools. They had great documentation. They had a great dashboard. It, it was just a 
super easy, powerful tool that you could drop into your application or, or website. Uh, we're trying to do the same thing with with location and with with geofencing. And so, before we, we we jump into some of these use cases for for these kind of uh, for geolocation and geofencing and what you're doing with that, maybe you could explain again why we just can't use that the out of the box functions, which I'm assuming is on every every smartphone has some kind of location awareness. It can get a location. Yeah. No, there are um, there there are location services out of the box on on iOS and Android. They let you. You know, start up location services, uh, track a user's location. You can you can register geofences on the phone. Uh, the challenge is to do it in a really battery efficient way and, and to do it at scale. Um, so if you want to, you know, geofence a few particular locations, you actually have a limit of, of 20 geofences per app on iOS, 100 geofences per app on, on Android. If you have a few thousand locations that you want to monitor, um, you're already sort of over those limits and, and you have to devise a solution. If you want to... You know, maybe you want to grab a, a very quick, efficient location fix when a user opens the app. Uh, maybe you want to, if, if the user has opted in and, and granted permissions, uh, do more persistent background tracking. Uh, that can actually be really hard to do in, in sort of a reliable, battery-efficient way. Oftentimes, you know, your first attempt at a solution will, will sort of stop working after a while or, or, or drain the user's battery. And these were problems that, you know, I, I faced firsthand at, at Handy when we were trying to build a solution like this. So there are definitely tools. You, you can roll your own solution. It can be challenging to do efficiently and, and at scale. And I think the other challenge, too, is these things are always changing. You know, every version of, of iOS and Android introduce new capabilities. Sometimes they introduce new restrictions. And our goal is just to abstract all of that away. You know, our, our SDK takes a few lines of code to integrate. Um, if you want to upgrade to the latest and greatest, it's, it's just a matter of, of bumping the SDK version to the to the newest version, and trying to take that you know hundreds of lines of code, trial and error. How do you do this in a battery efficient, accurate way, and just distill it down to uh, to a few lines of code? Okay, so so correct me if I'm wrong here, but it sounds very much like we're we're moved away from from using the things that are native on these different platforms to maybe something like an, an API. So we get location from the phone, great, and then we send it over to you guys via an API and make calls back and forth, and that's that level of abstraction that, that we're talking about. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. And, and you know, we talked a bit about the sort of the, the client level or like the, the phone level piece. So collecting this location data um, is, is, is one part of the challenge. I think another part of the challenge is, is actually storing that data, making sense of it, you know, visualizing it on a map. Maybe you're looking at a heat map or, you know, maybe you're just looking back to a, a specific location event or, or geofencing event um, and you need to visualize it on a map. Or if, if, if you want to send it downstream to other tools, right? Maybe you want to use this to trigger a push notification. You want to tie it to uh, some other behavioral data that, that you're collecting in the app. You want to do some user segmentation to maybe, maybe personalize the experience. So there's the collection piece. There's also the storage piece. There's the visualization piece. There's the, the activation piece. And, and we really are a full stack solution that tries to solve all of those problems for, for our customers. Maybe it'd be really helpful for the listeners if you could, at this point, sort of walk us through what, what, the, what the user journey looks like so we get a, a better understanding of the functionality of the system and, and, and how it works together, how all these different pieces work together. Yeah, so I, I think in terms of end-user-facing functionality, um, there are generally three buckets uh, of, of use cases. One is building contextual in-app experiences. So if, if I'm a user and, and I open an app, let's say it's a shopping app, and I open the app in store, uh, you might detect that I'm in store and show an in-store mode. 
right? And, and the experience that I should see in the app should, should probably be different if I'm in-store versus if I'm sitting at home on, on my couch, right? In-store, it might be you know, showing me stuff related to that store, products available, services available. Maybe if I've placed a, uh, an order for pickup, it shows me that sort of pickup screen. Whereas if I'm sitting at home on my couch, um, you, know, you might show me a different experience around browsing or, or shopping, right? So the, the first bucket is I open the app, what's my location context? show me a contextual in-app experience. And that's something that Radar can power. I think the, the second bucket of use cases uh, is, is more around background push. So this is maybe pushing me interesting content if I'm nearby an interesting place, if I'm at a particular place. So this often looks like you know tracking in the background, understanding when a user stops at a place, and then sending them a, a contextually relevant push notification. Maybe again, in the context of a, of a shopping app, this is an offer that's available at, at a particular store. If it's a travel app, maybe it's a, a friendly reminder to, to pull out my boarding pass uh, so I don't have to go uh, searching for it. And then the last bucket of use cases is more around um, analytics and segmentation. So understanding where users are engaging with the app, segmenting users into uh, different segments or audiences based on their past behavior. You know, Maybe some, somebody is a frequent flyer and somebody else is a, is a frequent road tripper to sort of go back to that, that travel example. And you can recommend them different content based on based on which which segment that they're in. So, in-app experiences, uh, more background messaging and, and push use cases, and then analytics and, and segmentation use cases. And again, the goal at the end of the day is to for us to help our customers build really great contextual experiences for for their end users. I, I think the big fear around a lot of this kind of stuff, as soon as somebody says tracking, is this: oh no, somebody's going to know where I am you know, every second of the day and they're somehow going to use that against me or I'm going to be completely overwhelmed with with push notifications, upsells and all this other thing. But I think it's really important to emphasize here, you're talking about personalized experiences and you're talking about giving context to, to these experiences. Where am I? And that affects how, what we might need, what we might value at the time. And, and I think it would be really easy to jump onto the, almost like the, the naysayer bandwagon. Oh no, marketing is going to kill us here. I'm assuming this is not what you guys are focusing on. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a great point and something that we're very mindful of. You know, our goal at the end of the day is to help people build great app experiences using location context. You should be very transparent about the data that you're collecting. You should be getting very clear opt-in. And assuming the user is 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 getting value out of it and, and they understand that the you know what what data is being collected, then then you're in a good spot. I think where people run into trouble is if you know data is being collected from them and, and they're not getting value from it, they don't understand what's being done with that data. If that data is is being passed off to maybe other third third parties to, to be monetized. And uh, we very explicitly don't do these things and, and, and focus on helping people build build a great experiences with with clear opt-in. There are a lot of other companies in the location space that are, at the end of the day, basically ad tech companies. They might call themselves location intelligence companies, but the focus is really on collecting a ton of location data, monetizing it. We're, we're really focused on helping people build great app experiences. If you as an end user uh, want to opt into that, awesome. If, if you don't, that's fine too. I'd like to sort of shift the conversation now and talk about some people that are doing this really well or have done this really well, have used the software and, and, and all the possibilities that, are, that come with, with, with this kind of technology. Uh, and I know you've had a recent incredibly successful campaign uh, with, a, with a little company called Burger King. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah, for sure. This is one of the most noteworthy examples recently and, and, and I think a really creative use case. So Burger King uh, ran a campaign called the Whopper Detour campaign. 
And the idea was basically to uh, encourage people to download the, the Burger King app. And, and so the campaign was, uh, if you went to a McDonald's location and opened the Burger King app, you could unlock a coupon to order a Whopper at, at Burger King for, for a penny. You just had to take a detour from the McDonald's to the nearest Burger King to, to pick it up. Uh, so some people call this sort of like a, a geoconquesting use case. Uh, but at the end of the day, it was, it was a super creative campaign by Burger King to, to drive app installs. And they won a bunch of awards for it. It was, it was very successful. Uh, and, and we were lucky enough to power the, the geofencing piece of, of that campaign. So Radar was effectively the tool that helped Burger King geofence these McDonald's locations. And we were able to tell the Burger King app, yes, this person is near a McDonald's, unlock this coupon. Uh, or, or no, this person is not near McDonald's, keep this, keep this coupon locked. And it was, a, it was an in-app experience, right? You didn't have to grant background location permissions for this. I think a lot of people think about geofencing as, as a background tracking thing. That's not necessarily the case. This was user opens the app. We can detect if they're in this 600 meter radius around a McDonald's and, and if so, unlock that coupon. Uh, so it was, it was really, really powerful. You know, we were obviously able to save them a bunch of implementation time, getting this functionality up and running. Uh, and they just had tremendous results. They hit number one in the app store and they drove millions of, of downloads. Uh, really, really cool campaign. And I think inspiring for, for a lot of other folks in the industry, thinking about running campaigns or, or building features with location and, uh, and not just folks in the, you know, food and dining or, or QSR space either, but, but other types of, of apps as well. I think this was incredibly innovative and I really think it opens the door for a whole bunch of other possibilities. And I, I think this is probably the kind of thing that you were refer, referring to in the in the pre-interview when you talked about geofencing beyond the push and, and building these experiences, you know, that actually that give value, that entertain and that motivate people. And in the marketing world, I think you probably need to be a little bit of a marketer to appreciate this because what we're talking about a campaign that, that had the Burger King app to number one in the app store there was something like 1.5 million downloads of this app in, in nine days, 3.3 billion impressions, it tripled sales, and people had a lot of fun doing it. Uh, you know, I'm not saying that everyone should go out and eat Burger King or McDonald's, but I really admire the, the, the creative approach to this. And it, for me, it, it's very reminiscent of, what, of the enthusiasm we saw around Pokemon, Pokemon Go, which I'm assuming was using geofences and similar kind of technology to really get people out and motivate people. Yeah, no, that, that, was, that was another great example. And I think we're thinking about ways to, you know, be the most developer-friendly tool in this space, be the most accessible tool in this space. I hope the next Pokemon Go, I hope the next Uber uh, is, is built with Radar. And, and we want to make ourselves, you know, an, an easy-to-use accessible tool that, that folks can pick up and, and start building functionality like that. This really lays down the challenge for me for, for companies that are, are looking to be innovative. Here's your opportunity. You know, you can do something that, that this call to action, it doesn't have to be go to the website, use this coupon code. You know, you can give value, you can motivate people and you can get them to, to do things if, if you make it fun. And I think this is a fantastic opportunity. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, you know, our, our view is that this is kind of the next big thing in, in mobile. Um, I think we're going to look back in, in three to five years and uh, kind of be surprised that we were in this world where apps were static, regardless of, of where you were. You know, travel apps right now are, are, for the most part, the same if you're in your home city versus uh, in a different city. Um, you know, shopping apps are, are, for the most part, the same if you're sitting at home on your couch versus you're, you're in store versus you're in a competitor store. And if you listen to, you know, at, at, at these big Fortune 500 companies, what, what CMOs are saying, um, or what chief experience officers or chief, chief digital officers are saying is 
you know, consumers are demanding these contextual experiences. Uh, they want stuff to be personalized and, uh, and, and folks are investing here and, and they're looking for geofencing tools. They're looking for context platforms to, to help them act on this stuff. So there's a big opportunity. We talk about our mission as being to make every app on every device contextually aware. You know, we've talked a lot about food and dining use cases and, and shopping use cases and, and travel use cases. We're starting to see a lot of other use cases as well. We're talking to uh, a large media company that, that wants to basically unlock articles, un unlock the paywall if, if you're at an airport or, or if you're on a college campus. Uh, we're talking to, we're actually working with a, a state government here in the U.S. that uh, wants to geofence wildfires and, and road closures and, and emergencies. And, and so we really want to be this broadly applicable tool that is available to every app developer, every type of use case to, to build these types of contextual experiences into their apps. I, I think in, in terms of this kind of application that, that you've built, and I, I think it's your imagination that really limits you here. Because um, when you think about Pokemon Go, when you think about the crazy success that geocaching has had, for example, you know, th these, are, these are real opportunities here. And if I think about the way search works today, like it is trying to figure out what, what did this person look at last time? What's the history look like? And some people might think that's spooky, but in the same way, it's quite nice to have that sort of personalization happening in the background. And e even the massive mapping platforms today, the most personalized you get is it zooms to the point where you are now, and that's the end of the personalization. Yeah, I mean, of course, of course that's a big thing, but I'm thinking that there's, there's other opportunities here to, to personalize based on location. I think that's right. And, and again, I think as, as long as there's value for the end user, as long as there's clear opt-in, you know, I, I don't think folks mind this as long as they understand what's happening and, and they're getting value out of it. You really run into trouble where you're not getting clear opt-in, where other stuff is happening with the data that, that you're not aware of. And so as, as long as you're delivering value and, and getting clear opt-in and not passing this data along to, to third parties, um, you're, you're in a really great spot and there's a lot of potential here. I, I think one of our challenges is how do we enable these types of great use cases and keep folks on the right track in, in, in terms of doing this in the right way? And, uh, you know, there, there are a lot of bad actors in the space that, that don't necessarily think the same way or, or have the same business model or, or, or follow the same best practices. And, you know, part of our job is to sort of make sure that we don't get caught up in that. Yeah, I think that's going to be a tricky task. I think that people are going to look at geolocation, you know, anyone who collects any kind of geolocation and use the same stamp on all of them. I think if it goes bad, people will go, oh, they're, they're tracking me kind of thing. And, and that could be a really tricky task. I, I, I want to shift gear again. And because I think that the elephant in the room here is perhaps indoor navigation, because we've, we've seen great examples of outdoor navigation, how things function outside. And we're all very familiar with using Google Maps and, you know, planning routes and, and that kind of thing. But this all kind of falls apart when we move inside. How, how are we going to solve for this either now or how are you solving for this now or, or how are we going to do it in the future? Yeah, it's, it, it's a great question. Um, I feel like everybody was talking about beacons, you know, three to five years ago. Um, and, and there's sort of this unfulfilled promise around, around indoor location. Some folks are doing it. There are some creative vendors, there are some, some creative use cases, but hasn't really achieved its, its full potential. You know, our view here at Radar is that uh, smartphones are getting better and better over time. They're sort of converging towards near-perfect accuracy, near-perfect battery efficiency, uh, even indoors. We watch, uh, you know, Google I/O, their their developer event every year, and it seems like every year they're showing more and more advances towards sub meter accuracy indoors without using beacons, right? And so I think we're going to get to a place where you're able to 
to deliver these types of great contextual indoor location experiences, you know, potentially with accuracy down to, to a few meters, uh, just using smartphones. And I, I think the hurdle, uh, the hurdles around deploying hardware beacons are, are just going to be too much for folks to overcome. We're seeing folks move away from, from using hardware beacons and try to find 80% of the value with geofencing for, for 20% of the costs. And I think over time, we'll get to 100% of the value just with a smartphone-only, software-only solution where you don't have to deploy a fleet of beacons. I think, too, that we, we have seen in the past that... Um... Big, big, big smartphone manufacturers, their, their flagship smartphones are coming out with dual frequency GNS chips and they're enabling access to that uh, to the location data before you actually get a location lock. And this opens up all sorts of possibilities around precise geolocation and post-processing of, of that location data. You know, so, so we're, we're getting there. We're moving towards that sub-meter accuracy. So, so I think it's a really exciting time. And I think probably that that software solution is the one that's going to win the day. It just seems so much easier to, to implement. It's certainly the way things are trending. And, you know, we, we talk to customers and prospective customers that maybe they've deployed a fleet of beacons in the past and shut it down. Maybe they're thinking about migrating over to a, to a software only solution. So I think if you look three to five years out, we're, we're going to be in a place where, where you don't need beacons. Um, and we're going to be in a place where a lot of the value is actually shifting towards how do I make sense of this data and, and, and act on this data? as the collection piece converges towards, you know, near perfect accuracy and, and near perfect battery efficiency. I, I recently spoke with someone on the, the topic of indoor navigation, and they were of the opinion that we, we could do it today. We could use indoor navigation, like we can do indoor navigation today, but they were of the opinion that if iOS let us use Wi-Fi signals for tracking, which apparently they don't do at the moment, but I'm not an expert in this, then our indoor navigation problems would be solved because this is available in, in Android. So we could effectively do it today. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting point. Um, you know, the Android Wi-Fi scanning APIs are a little bit more open and a little bit more flexible than, than the iOS APIs, which are, which are kind of locked down. And Apple actually in, in iOS 13 just introduced a bunch of new restrictions around Bluetooth beacon scanning. So, so in the past, a lot of companies have basically not just scanned for ambient Wi-Fi endpoints, but also ambient Bluetooth beacons and, and used it to train this model of, of place prediction uh, that, that works indoors. That stuff is getting locked down. That stuff is going away. Uh, that stuff is increasingly getting baked into the operating system, right? If, if you request a location fix indoors using core location on, on iOS, under the hood, it's, it's going to use Wi-Fi scanning you're just not able to collect that data raw yourself in, 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 in the same way. So I think what we're going to see is the operating systems themselves are going to provide a lot of this functionality out of the box. They'll give you that location fix that, that is really accurate indoors. And, and we're already actually in, in a pretty impressive spot there if, if you compare back to, to five years ago. And again, the value and, and, and the challenge is going to shift to, okay, how do I store this data? How do I visualize it? How do I act on it? How do I deliver great product experiences off of it? And you know, we, kind of, we, we, we kind of find ourselves focusing more and more in, in those areas as opposed to on the collection piece. Hey, I've just got a few more questions for you before we, before we say goodbye. And they're all about the future. And um, like, this is a very broad question and I, I realize that. But what does the future of this kind of, this kind of application look like? Where, where are we going with this? Are we going to see less of us, less of this in the future? My, my gut reaction is no, we're going to see a lot more of this and it's going to be used all over the place to personalize all sorts of experiences. But can you see... Uh, can you give me an idea of what it might look like in, in five or 10 years time? 
Yeah, it's, it's, it's a great question. Um, I think there are a few trends to, to look out for. One is I think you're going to start seeing the, these types of experiences in, in more apps, right? Uh, you see a lot of this in, in shopping apps. You see a lot of this in, in food and dining apps and in travel apps. We think about how this looks in gaming apps and in social apps and in productivity apps, in, in municipal apps. And so I, I think we're going to start seeing this in, 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 a, in a lot more applications. And, and again, our goal is to facilitate that by building a tool that's, that's as flexible as possible. That's, that's, I think, one thing that you're going to see. I think the other thing that you're going to see long term is the bar is going to get higher and higher to request location permissions and, and, and access location data from, from end users. So you better be delivering value to the end user. You better be getting clear opt-in and, and you better be transparent about, about what's being done with, with this data. And so I think you're going to see a lot of these bad actors or, or, or folks that are collecting data for the sake of collecting data or, or, or doing questionable things with it. That's going to go away as well. And so I think we're, I think we're going to see those two trends um, re, re, really sort of shape how this space evolves in the next, call it, five years. The other thing that we're thinking about, too, is, um, you know, we kind of started as a geofencing tool. Uh, over time, we added other types of context. So place detection, uh, traveling detection, we can detect which country you're in or, or which, which market you're in. We think about other types of context that we can make aware through this SDK and don't want to give away too many details right now, but, but I think you're going to see other types of real world context uh, power these experiences as well, not just which geofence you're in. There's, there's a lot more that you can do there. So, so those are the trends that we're looking at. In, in the pre-interview, you talked about uh, not just detecting where I am as a user of this, but what's around me. Can, can you say anything about that? Can you put a few more words around that? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I think it's, it's one thing to say you are at a place or, or you are in a geofence. It's another thing to say, what's going on around me, right? Which places am I nearby? Maybe you're sort of picking a needle out of a haystack and, you know, you're surfacing things that are relevant to that particular user at, at that particular time. You know, we, we even think about it and, and no immediate near term plans to do this, but it's interesting to think about um, what events are going on around me, right? And, and how does that impact the experience that I'm going to see in the, in the app? So I, I think we're going to see a lot more, not just I am here, but but what's nearby. And I think we're going to see more types of, of context, uh, even outside of pure location context, just general real world context of, of, of other things that, that are happening around me. Nick, I've, I've really enjoyed this conversation. It's been fascinating to hear about what you're up to and what you've done. Like some of the use cases, I think are, are truly impressive. And I'm, I'm excited for the future after this conversation of, of geolocation. But before we say goodbye to you, where can the listeners go to learn more about you and your work? Yeah, feel free to visit us at www.radar.io. And if you have any questions about the technology, feel free to sign up for an account and, and, and kick the tires or, or just reach out to, to our team. There's a, there's a contact page. And uh, if you're thinking about building a contextual app experience, we would, we would love to chat with you and see if we can help. Nick, thanks again. I really appreciate it. This is a lot of fun. Thanks so much. And that's the end of another episode of the Mapscaping Podcast. My name is Daniel, and I just want to say thank you so much for all your kind rating and reviews on iTunes. It's much appreciated. And we also really appreciate your feedback via our social media channels. If you would like to reach out to me for whatever reason, you'll find some useful links in the show notes, and I would love to hear from you. Also, if you are enjoying these podcast episodes, I would really appreciate it if you would share it with a friend. Thanks very much, and we'll talk soon. Bye.